Coming to you from the mountain fortress of pop culture. You're listening to Time to Talk. Sushi roll. So, welcome to the fortress, Simon and Keaton. How are you both? Doing well, doing well. Yeah, thanks. Awesome. Simon and Keaton, can you see baby Igor sitting over there on his perch watching us? Our baby dragon? Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, you know why you're confused, Keaton? Because yes. it's not Igor after all. It's Julie Andrews. Oh, my oh, goodness. Oh, God. Sorry, Julie. That's so, so rude of me. It's just severe shoulder pads. It gets me every time. Oh, yes. Every time. <sighs> We're here to discuss the soundtrack to the Sound of Music, which is one of the world's highest selling albums of all time, Mm -hmm. possibly because they just never stop reissuing the bloody thing. You can hear this (laughs) soundtrack in English, you can hear it in German, Italian, Spanish and French. Damn it, there's no Mongolian version. This is outrageous. (laughs) It was released in 1965 and in the United States it remained in the top 10 for 109 weeks i'm not very good at maths keaton simon is that two years i think that's just over two years yeah Yeah. unbelievable i wonder if there was an influx of new nun recruits that year what do you reckon (laughs) it's quite possible quite possible absolutely they made it look so fun yeah they did they made it even i wanted to join (laughs) i wasn't around but yeah in the united kingdom the sound of music soundtrack was get this it was the best selling album of 1965 1966 and 1968. What happened to 1967, people? What is wrong with you, British? What's that fluctuation? That's weird, yeah. I know. It was the second best selling album of the 1960s in the UK. Do I have one of you want to guess what the biggest selling album of the 60s was in the UK? Uh, Um, Well done, Simon. Sergeant Pepper. Yeah, that makes sense. Makes sense. Yes, the Sound of Music soundtrack, it's the only album I can name that has a yodeling track on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, unless you include some of Nicki Minaj's messy projects, which I'll call <laughs> some Or the Gwen Stefani album where she sampled that song. Oh, she sampled it, did she? Yeah. I love all the references to the Sound of Music because we've got Kylie. She opened the Fever Tour with that. She obviously was in Moulin Rouge Mm. as well. Yeah. We had um, Ariana Grande doing that brilliant, uh, is it called Seven Rings, I think? Yeah, Yeah, Seven Um, Rings, yeah. Love that. So anyway, look, I'm going to be quiet now. Keaton, you're a musical fiend. I can only assume you love this soundtrack. Oh, yeah. I I mean... I'm sure everyone can agree, but like we all like grew up with this film. We have watched it ever since we were kids or like when it came out. I, it really is just one of the most like enduring classics of all time. I think it's such an amazing film. I'm going to try not to like just spiel the whole time and like gab about it. But like I have so I'm much to say about this film and the soundtrack. You just you just spiel away. It's absolutely <laughs> fine. I've already declared I'm out of my comfort zone with this one. I don't know much. I, I look. It's quite a strange thing with the Sound of Music soundtrack. I feel like I don't know much because usually when I'm talking about an album, I know when it was released, who wrote yeah. it, who produced it. This one though, I know the music probably every bit as well as any other album I care to mention, mainly because it's been in the house since I was born. Absolutely, and yeah. Every year they played it on TV. Thank God for streaming and the internet when I didn't have to rely on free-to-air TV anymore, so I can actually make a choice. <laughs> yeah. 
Simon? Uh, di- didn't really like it for a long time and then revisited it uh, as an adult and sort of looked back on it and was like, actually, this is a lot more interesting than I gave it credit for at the time because I think all the like Nazi stuff kind of washed over me. Um, yeah, yeah. As a kid. So, yeah, I mean, it's uh, Rogers and Hammerstein are probably like my least favourite musical <gasps> theatre in existence anyway. So uh, that doesn't really help. Yeah, I mean, well, Roger and Hammerstein basically shaped the face of musical theater as it is and as it was. I'm they aware created of that. the form. Like them. Uh, one more time, say that one more time. I said I'm aware of that. I just don't like them. Yeah, <laughs> I think they're absolutely brilliant. I think he, ha- Richard Rogers, has his own specific style of writing. You absolutely know, like it's his sort of uh, melodic uh, way of writing things. And Hammerstein's lyrics are just brilliant. And I think this uh, score is one of the best showcases of their writing together, personally. So for the original, I found this interesting. For the original Broadway show, the music was written by Richard Rogers with the lyrics by Hammerstein. Yes. Uh, but then he passed away. Um, yeah, this was their last collaboration together on Broadway. Really? Which is, wow. so, it's very, very sad. I think, if, I, if I'm correct, I think Edelweiss is the last song they wrote together. Oh, which cool. is kind of a somber fact, but it, it's... Very it, somber. Yeah. Um, did um, Cinderella happen? I know Cinderella was only TV, but didn't that was 57? It was 50, I think, wasn't it? So, so was that written seven after? Maybe? Uh, no, I think Sound of Music came out in 59 on Broadway. Oh, did it? Okay. Okay, yeah. cool. People who've tuned in probably think they know most everything there is to know about this soundtrack. However, mm-hmm. I've learned a lot here. There were three songs from the original Broadway production. First of all, here yeah. you go. What, what an ignoramus. Tim didn't know that this was actually a Broadway production prior to it being a movie. Yes. I didn't know that. No, true. But what? go on, Keaton, tell us these three yeah. songs. I've actually uh, done the show, The Sound of Music. I played Rolf when I was actually 17 going on 18. So that was very <laughs> meta. Um but the three songs from the original show are, uh, there's one called How Can Love Survive, which is sung by the Captain, uh, the Baroness, and Max. And th- there's actually two songs with that trio. So there's How Can Love Survive, which is uh, kind of, uh, How Can Love Survive is in Act 1, and I think it's it's actually been forever since I've listened to the show, because I much prefer the film. We'll get into that. Um, but How Can Love Survive, I think, is kind of another rhetorical kind of uh, uh, Rajan you know like people will say we're in love just that rhetorical reiterating the idea thing of uh, oh we're, we're so different how can we make our love happen and then No Way to Stop It is in Act 2 and that is a very kind of I want to say like an- antithetical if that's a word like uh, they're, they're talking it. about their, uh, it's, it's still with the captain the baroness oh, yeah. and Max and they're talking about like the rise of the Nazi regime and Max and the Baroness are kind of just like resigned into it. It's like, oh, well, it's going to happen and there's no way to stop it. So we might as well just go on with our lives. And the captain oh, well, says, that's no. Rather depressing. It sounds like COVID could have been. Yeah, exactly. COVID. Seriously. <laughs> but By the way, before you, but who else wants to kill Max, by the way? Max deserves, you know, a good slap in the face, doesn't he? Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. Yeah, good. Sorry. Carry on. Carry yeah. On. But it, yeah, it's sung in a very cheery kind of. Uh, that both they're like, and it's no way to stop it. They're like, well, it doesn't affect us. So it's humor. Yeah. And then the third song was called an ordinary couple. And I'm actually not familiar with that one because it's now often replaced by what, uh, 
was sung in the film, which is the song Something Good. Yeah. Uh, and I much prefer Something Good. I think it's more intimate, more sweet. I think I've heard An Ordinary Couple once, and I was just like, eh, the one from the film I know better, a little so. tidbit about that. Uh, it was played at the reception of Michael Jackson and Lisa Marie Presley. Oh, which one? An or- Ordinary Couple or Something Good? Yeah, well, if it wasn't, it should have been. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, that's my little dad joke for the day. <laughs> it's out of my system now. Like, well, at least you got it out of the way. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's hope. Let's hope. I, I am often fully loaded, so I'm not quite sure myself. <laughs> what is it about the music of this film that actually transcends other uh, musicals? I mean, I can I compare it to Grease a little bit. Grease seems to have yeah. the same annual resurgence almost and so does the sound of music it never goes away christopher Plummer has recently passed away so oh, yeah, it's seen another so spike sad. as well very yeah. sad uh, what is it about this music in particular um well i think relating it to greece again it both uh, not that greece is terribly family friendly but the fact that oh. the sound of music has so many um songs with children and everything and that the themes are pretty catchy and accessible i think that has made it uh accessible for all ages that anyone can enjoy it like actually going back to what simon said yeah as a kid i always loved oh a deer i love those songs and would kind of just like yeah skip over the nazi stuff and the romance and everything but now growing up i'm really invested in the romance between the baroness and the captain and then the captain and maria and everything and all the political themes so i think it's just it's 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 a film for everyone to enjoy so that's the film, but the music, for example, in, oh, the music, in Australia, yeah. we, we have bikey gangs here in Australia, and I can assure you that if I walked up to the most <laughs> intimidating-looking bikey with a big black helmet and dark glass and the big ZZ Top beard, mm-hmm. and I said, you are 16, going on, and then put the microphone in his face, he'd go, 17. <laughs> They'd know. Everyone knows yeah. the music. That's amazing. Yeah, I think, like I said, I think it's just the tunes are very easy to remember, and they're well constructed too and the lyrics i think it's just really accessible is the word i keep going back to the score simon you're suspiciously quiet are you reciting the lyrics to do re mi in your head yeah no um i agree i think that for me it's probably why i don't love it as much as everybody else does i think it's very well written um and it's i suppose it was kind of it wasn't a pop musical in style, but I suppose it has that mm-hmm. kind of pop vibe to it in the sense that it's very catchy. The songs that, right. that are famous are very catchy. Um, I have similar issues with it to my issues with Greece. Anyway, I think and I, th- I think that has a lot to do with just the overhype of the films of both of them. Sure, sure, um, sure. But I, I, you know, I mean, I like, yeah, I know all the words to all the songs. I've seen it a million times. You know, I think, and I think that's why it's endured as long as it has, really, as well as you know the fact that it's quite catchily written and stuff, is because it was so family friendly. Because it was one of the biggest films at the time. You know, it won five Oscars. Yes. Um, so, and it didn't. It, I hate to say this, but it didn't have the ethnic minority slant that a lot of the other musicals did at the time that, that were huge like West Side Story and things like that so I think it had such a broad right. appeal. you know TV channels wouldn't have been scared of showing it once it you know became like a once TV became a thing cinemas would have screened it because it didn't necessarily although it had Nazis in it weirdly it didn't have <laughs> right. you know it, it, it wasn't like it's a very very wholesome 
you know, and I think it yeah. would have been viewed at the time. It would have been viewed as a much more wholesome experience for the whole family than stuff like West Side Story, which I think is, you know, probably better written as a show. Um, yes, I agree. But, you know, so I think that's part of its enduring kind of fame, really, as well. Exactly. And talking about the soundtrack, you just can't get songs that are more brilliant than this, to be honest. I'm not saying they're my favourite, probably because I've heard them too many times, but <laughs> they are brilliance personified. If you could write songs like this, like, I mean, you're an absolute genius. And you've got to be a little less cynical to appreciate some of this too. Because, for example, I must admit, there's barely a time that I listen to Edelweiss and Don't Cry. I find it a very, very yes. lovely song, yes. beautiful song. Not only uh, the song itself, but I suppose the way they capture it in the movie and what it means, you know, and he's reconnecting with his children and his family mm-hmm. and he's finally working through some of the hurt. I'm starting to cry now. It's a horrible thing. Damn it. <laughs> I am sentimental. And also um, just things like uh, 16 going on 17 and my favourite things, they're, they're – beautiful sweet songs that actually have so much mm-hmm. meaning believe it or not they really do um my favorite things that way that that is captured to be like um a big hug around young people who might be a bit frightened and i know that's what they did yeah. in the movie but the song's written that way too it's lovely and i think just the power of the title song itself i mean the first thing anyone says when you say the sound of music they all go the hills are alive like it's mm. just that little motif that little one, that one little phrase that like just gets in your head and just like, I just think it's a whole bunch of, again, I keep talking about the film. I'm sorry, but the, the combination of that song and Julie's voice and the camera work and everything, it just creates a, like a juggernaut of a moment. And it's just amazing what they were able to do with it. I think I'm not saying it's solely her, um, not her fault. That's the word. That's not the word I'm looking for. But I think Julie's voice is part of the major success that Sound of Music had because she's just so mm. brilliant, so iconic, and uh, it's really hard to picture anyone else sing this song like she did. A bit like Kylie, Julie's voice. On, oh, hang on, here we go. Everyone's gone. Hang on, he's about to compare Julie okay. Andrews's voice with Kylie. I'm ready. Uh, yes. Yeah. Stay with me. Stay with me. They both have very emotive singing styles yeah they both capture the story you you move away from the voice and and you transcend into the Mm -hmm. lyrics one of the underestimated songs on this soundtrack for me is something good yes Uh, i think it's brilliant one of my absolute favorite songs and again because um hammerstein passed away i believe richard rogers also wrote the lyrics for something good something good and i have confidence i believe yeah 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 i have to admit um i have confidence amuses me to death because there is a bit that absolutely wasn't meant to be there in the movie when she's uh-huh. just walking through the gates with her suitcases and her hat and she literally trips but she manages to pick it back up. We watch yeah. it in freeze frame, frame by frame, and just die laughing. It's very fun. And she, like, trips on beat too. It's like, I have confidence trip in. It's so funny. Yeah, You know that trip, Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, golly, I thought we were the only perverse family in the world. Oh, I, I know, like, every single stupid little tidbit about this movie. I am 100% obsessed with it. It's one of my favourite films perform, ever made. Yeah. You perform musical theatre. When you I perform do. some of these songs to whatever crowd you're in front of, what's the response usually like? Yeah, again, so doing The Sound of Music was such a ma- massive, like, honour to me because we all grew up with it, and I always wanted to play Rolf, so that was an amazing thing. And the crowds really have such a 
like a really visceral and exuberant response and everything. And I even remember at the end, uh, because at the end and everything, Rolf turns into a Nazi. So sometimes I would come out and get booze, which I thought was very funny. And I was like, yes, I did my job. I made them hate me. So people are really, really invested in this show, the story, the music, everything. They love it. Is Ralph the character that has his pants pulled up so tight you can see his whole gingerbread and everything? (laughs) <laughs> uh no uh he's the uh you're probably thinking i think you're thinking of kurt maybe the kid no uh, and then these suspenders are just way too yeah tight. no uh it's ralph was uh liesel's boyfriend he sings 16 going on 17 oh ralph yeah. is the one who's ralph, in the yeah. little glass house yep yes who turns out to be a traitor but then he's not a traitor or something i think yeah eh, somewhere in the middle somewhere in the middle okay yeah yeah he's kind <laughs> of a enough. semi-nazi He's a Nazi, but he has feelings. Oh, yeah. Sounds like a punctuation. (laughs) I like it. Go on, Simon. Free shot here. What are the songs on here that you wish you would never hear again if you had a choice? Oh, I was about to say what I liked. Um, Okay. (laughs) Oh, I just wanted to keep you in your usual frame of mind. (laughs) Well, I was going to say that um, my favourite thing in it is I Have Confidence. Um, Yeah. But I don't know if that's just because it was added for the film, so it's got like a slightly different tone. Um, but I always loved that as a kid and I I was obsessed with it. Um, I could probably do with never hearing the sound of music again. (gasps) Wow. Um, and possibly climb every mountain. Um, I, they, they, I, yeah, they bring me out in hives. The time to talk show is a podcast made by passionate amateurs who simply love pop culture. Unlike other podcasts, we can't raise revenue through traditional advertising, so we rely on the support of our listeners to keep us going. If you'd like to make a donation to Time to Talk, click on the link in the description. Your support will help with our production costs and allow us to keep bringing you content that celebrates, honours and skewers the very best and worst in the world of popular music, film, trends and culture. Thank you for enjoying our shows. We absolutely love our growing legion of loyal listeners. <sighs> Poor Keaton. You're like strike one, strike two, strike three. That's what's happening right now. Yeah. <laughs> Stunned silence. <laughs> well, you see, we see, I've got a musical theatre background as well, but like okay. generally um, I don't like anything pre sort of 1965 unless Bob Fosse was involved with it so sure um, oh totally <laughs> so I kind of share that sensibility well, I like the King and I but um other than the King and I I'm not really hugely into anything pre sort of 65 absolutely yeah we no, must talk about the Lonely Goat Herd please <laughs> yes I don't know what else to say about it other than yeah. I was equally repulsed and fascinated as a child with that part in the movie. And I do hate yodeling. (laughs) Um, Well, in the show, the place that Lonely Goatherd is in is where in the film, my favorite things is. So that part in the show that the Lonely Goatherd is meant to be the song that comforts the kids. Mm. But I think, and my favorite things is sung between Maria and uh, the mother abbess which uh, as a sort of thing of like, uh, I think Maria's scared to go with the kids and she, uh, the mother I was just like, no, don't be scared. You can sing this song, which I feel like is kind of weird and juvenile for Maria. So I'm glad that they put my favorite things where it is in the film. So in the film, yeah, Lonely Goat Herd kind of has 
no purpose. I know why um, the Lonely Goat Herd uh, originally, because this is based on a true story, and there was a Maria von Trapp who yes, Julie Andrews yes. actually met, and that woman could yodel, mm-hmm. and she actually yodeled unbelievably well. I saw her in a little snippet. It was meant to be a bit of a comic thing, but, yeah, she's uh-huh. standing next to Julie Andrews there, and she has a bit of a yodel, and, yeah, she, she's yeah, got the that. pipes to do it. Yes. I don't know. I like Lonely Goat Herd. I think it's cute. I can't hear it now without thinking of Wind It Up by Gwen Stefani. Every time, I, even when I listen, when I try and sing it in my head, I just start singing Wind It Up. Because oh, yes. I think, yes. Now I know the song you're talking about. I was like, what yeah, are you yeah. talking about? Yeah, now I know the one you mean. Yep. Which, interestingly, little tiny fact about that song, the reason the sample is there, um, it wasn't supposed to be. It was, uh-huh. it was recorded without the sample. There was no kind of relevance to that at all, but it had no, like it just had a beat. And a baseline, it didn't have anything else to it. And I think it was, someone will probably correct me in the comments, but I think it was Paul Oakenfold was playing it in a DJ set and he bootlegged Lonely Goat Herd over the top of it. Yeah. And Gwen Stefani heard about it and was like, that's, that's amazing. And then they changed the song. I'm going to go and look that up after this. Mm-hmm. I've got to say, I've got two musical theatre personalities on the line. Can either one of you yodel? No. Uh, I don't know. I can try. Uh, well like not not like true like maria von trap maria von trap yodel but uh, maybe i'll do the one from yodel yeah yeah uh uh, 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 i on a hill was a lonely counter lay yodel lay yodel lay like that i don't know wow that's awesome well done beautiful he can do it simon (laughs) he can do it he can (laughs) well done Well done. <laughs> I have confidence in my yodeling. Yes, no. <laughs> good, good. Do, re, mi. Seven sounds, and that, that's it. And I just think that, yeah, it is, it's brilliant in its simplicity, if that makes sense. Mm. Where in the movie does a young person get a kick up the bum? Well, so long, farewell. Now, this is a, <laughs> a really <laughs> simple composition. It's, you know, those higher registers and all mm. of that sort of stuff. I think there's only really one main part of the song, like one chorus. This is a great song. I like it. It's good. You would have had to, I oh, know, you weren't, Ralph. I keep thinking you were one of the children when you were in this. No, moment. my brother actually played Kurt, the one who sings the, I leave and he, he's the one who sings that high note, which was very funny. And oh, that's right. One of the boys. I, yeah. I dread to think what they did to him behind the scenes to get him to reach that note. It's a oh, shocking I, thing. I hope it's got to be the one with the tight pants, actually. Doesn't yes, it, it? It, yes, for sure. Him. Aha, aha. It all comes together finally, Simon. <laughs> I get it now. Makes sense. And Keaton, before we wrap, we have to talk about Maria as well. Yes. I, I, I don't know why. I just have a soft spot for that song. I think it's really cute, really catchy. I love the... Um, the, the the brilliant lyricism of Hammerstein, I think, really shows in that song with the of liberty, Jupiter, will of the will. It's just really clever lyricism and everything. Mm. And fun fact, in the film, uh, the absolute legend, Marnie Nixon, who is famous for ghost voicing uh, many, many iconic roles in films, she ghost voiced, she dubbed Natalie Wood in West Side Story, Audrey Hepburn and My Fair Lady, and uh, Deborah Kerr in The King and I. She actually has like... A, a role and like you can see her face in this movie she plays i think sister sophia i think is her name in the film so it's like finally she gets her due and she's on screen so that's a funny little tidbit simon how do you catch a moonbeam in your hand <laughs> i don't know i've always wondered it's that frustrating yeah the world may never know um how do you solve a problem like maria was also the uh title of <gasps> bbc 
Yes, so, I um, loved that series. Career <sighs> in the um, Sound of Music that we did over here. Final discussion point. Should there be a Sound of Music 2? <laughs> mm, no, I don't think so. No. <laughs> Come on. These are imaginary. Where are they now? You know, did they actually end up getting eaten by the Nazis or not? <laughs> Never really makes it clear. I don't know. Sweet people. I don't know. I don't know. Mm. <laughs> they never did find the rest of Hitler. They only found a little bit of his skull. <laughs> oh, God, no. This has been fun. Thank you for helping me talk about the Sound of Music soundtrack. And mm-hmm. and before you go, you, can you give baby Igor a pat on the way out of the fortress? He's looking lonely. Oh. Got it. Yeah, that... <laughs> Excellent. See you, Keaton. See you, Simon. Thank you so much. Bye-bye.